millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Progressive Britain podcast. This is the podcast with your unpopular opinion that it is coming home. This is the review show for episode 38 with guest Karen Smith on the 70th anniversary of the NHS. I'm Progress Deputy Editor Connor Pope and I'm here with Digital Editor Sam Bright. Sam, you've been away for a couple of weeks. I'm always interested to hear what news stories kind of break out of the bubble a bit. What stories were you aware of over the past couple of weeks while you've been away? Well, firstly, that it's coming home, obviously, <laughs> which I think is a popular opinion, not, just, not an unpopular one, it's popular it's now. Worldwide. Uh... It is coming home. Um, <laughs> but other than that, I think the one big thing that I tried to get my head around and that I saw when I was away was this story from the United States of uh, Donald Trump separating children, mm. migrant children from their families. And it coincided actually with me reading a book about the White House Chiefs of Staff. And one thing that was said in the book was that the Chiefs of Staff have got to tell the truth to power to the president and tell him when he's doing something that he shouldn't be. And I think it's quite clear that people inside the administration aren't doing that when Donald Trump yeah. is concerned, really. No, I'd, I'd not fancy that job in his in his administration, I don't think. No. I, I, the thing is as well, he, he has this remarkable tendency to mess something up and then to roll back and U-turn and claim the claim credit for for all of it. <laughs> so to, you know, it's he, he claims credit for doing it in the first place, and then cre- claims credit for rolling back again. <laughs> and you know, it's farcical. It's yeah. And what what did you make of um, the People's Vote March? Because uh, that that also happened while you were away. Yeah, no, it, it looked it looked really exciting. Obviously, a tremendous. Did it get, um, did it get international coverage? Um, not really that I saw. I was just sort of flicking through Twitter as you do when you're away. You know, you try and get away from the chaos and then all you do is sit by the pool and flick through Twitter. Um, but I think the, the, the one thing that I kind of thought looking at it from afar and not being in the midst of the march was that we kind of need to use this as impetus to uh, persuade the other side. We shouldn't get caught up with the mistakes of protest politics and um, look inwards rather Mm. than look outwards. I think, you know, obviously the 100,000 people that were there, they should feel galvanized and they should try and take those messages to, you know, people who are are wavering about Brexit rather than those who are firmly still on on the side of, of the people's vote. 
Well, actually, I think was quite good and healthy about it was the way that it incorporated so many different groups and organisations and that it involved a lot of consensus building through that in itself. Um, I remember going on um, James O'Brien's LBC show uh, a month or two ago and he essentially was complaining that there seems to be lots of groups that are pro-European and anti-Brexit and they all have their tiny little bit that they concentrate on and that isn't this a problem shouldn't there just be one group and actually I think I disagree because Brexit is so big and affects things in so many different ways that actually it is quite good to have organisations that do just concentrate on one element of it and they can come together under umbrella demands like that for a people's vote but it doesn't necessarily mean that there has to be one anti-Brexit or pro-European organization in the uk in the end over a hundred thousand people took to the streets to demand a say on the final brexit deal last week a deal which theresa may's former chief of staff nick timothy now says will be a disaster he blames the cabinet boris johnson blames the treasury dominic cummings blames whitehall daniel hannan blames parliament nigel farage says the uk will be worse off after brexit and blames theresa may david davis blames something new every week Given how badly all of these prominent Brexiters say Brexit is going, maybe it is fair that people have a bit more say in the process and the end result. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that there's a really good piece from Peter Mandelson in The Times yesterday, which said that if there wasn't this chaos, then there wouldn't be such a strength of feeling behind Mm. people's vote. You know, they're causing people to to say no th- this is this is this is something that we need to think again um because the process is not going seamlessly far from it and it's right that people should should challenge that and there'll be a rally in london again uh, tomorrow on saturday uh, this time for the nhs's 70th anniversary there's a lot of marches at the moment really aren't there because obviously there's um, pride coming up it's it's pride season and next month there'll also be an anti-trump demo when he yeah. comes to uh, to visit uh, do you think it's you know a lot of this is around political dissatisfaction or is it just the nice weather uh <laughs> definitely the nice weather <laughs> <laughs> i think that lots of people will, will will plan to turn up and then realize that the world cup's on and maybe, you know. <laughs> well so on the nhs we have um, a whole section of the upcoming progress magazine on the nhs anniversary obviously we had the podcast earlier this week as well but this section in the magazine is going to have a special editorial articles from linda thomas and paul corrigan as well as an interview with shadow health secretary john ashworth they'll all be featuring on the progress website on the date of the anniversary thursday july 5th as a special takeover for the day it seems like the anniversary is actually getting quite a lot of attention isn't it which is quite funny yeah it is and and the government sort of stout this with their 30 billion um, mm. birthday present for oh, yeah, NHS, yeah, yeah. which obviously was 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 mentioned on on <clears throat> the podcast um this week and I, I from listening back which is a fantastic podcast the one thing that struck me was the irony of this brexit dividend being a windfall i.e um something that would be funded through um the increased tax revenues from growth that would be caused by these these you know free trade deals mm. um it seems that this is totally counter to the conservatives approach in 2010 to austerity when labor arguing that we should invest in the economy to gain uh, generate tax revenue which would then you know we would be able to invest in public mm. services it seems that the conservatives have now have, are now kind of taken on that approach um, which they so wholeheartedly rejected in favor of austerity in 2010 
on this, the, the idea that we're celebrating a, a birthday for an organisation or an institution is obviously quite peculiar. But there is something very specific about the NHS. I saw um, Johnny Vegas, the comedian, on The Last Leg, the Channel 4 show mm. the other day. And, and he said, talking about his parents, he said, the NHS has given us years of valuable life together. If we don't fight for the NHS, we lose ourselves as a country. I think it's so interesting that it has become an institution, it's part of our British identity now, which is um, a fascinating thing. I was just kind of wondering, why, why do you think that is? I just, I think it's the people that work in the NHS. It's not so much those three letters, although they come to, they come to represent the people. I mean, every time that I go into a hospital, um, generally through football injuries, <laughs> um, I'm just struck by the dedication and just the, the, the they seem like saints quite a lot of the stuff. <laughs> um, my, my grandma um, recently died due to Alzheimer's and the people working in her care home, they were angels. They were just absolutely phenomenal. And um, I think it's about the people of the NHS. Really. I do, also, it seems that it is the one thing that, you know, and the fact that all all hospitals are you know, have the name NHS on it. And when you go to the doctors, it says NHS on the door. But everyone, even if you happen to be the kind of person who uses private healthcare instead of the NHS, and basically, I don't, I don't really know anyone who does. But I'm, I'm sure that even if you are one of those people, you know other people, you have friends who do use the NHS. It is the one thing that literally everyone has been affected by at some point in their life, whether it's being born or a relative being ill or being ill yourself. It's that one thing that everyone has an NHS experience. And I think it is a real testament to it that I think it's what you say. It's overwhelmingly those are good experiences. And and obviously there will be bad experiences, but they just do not add up to anywhere near the same. Um, and I think that is just... A remarkable testament to it. I think as well, British people like to grumble about their illnesses. So everybody <laughs> knows your NHS story. Yeah. For the political pub quiz question this week, I asked who the first ever NHS patient was back on July 5th, 1948. The answer is Sylvia Diggory, maiden name Beckingham. First answer, correct answer was Kellen Hadfield. Congratulations to you. Do send us your address and we'll pop a mug in the post for you. We'll be back on Tuesday with an episode about Pride, so don't miss that. Remember to send in any comments and questions that you have. Do leave a review, rate and subscribe on iTunes. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Progressive Britain podcast. The music is When in the West by Blue Dot Sessions, licensed under Creative Commons. And this episode was produced by Carolyn Crampton. Mm-hmm.